0: There, you're listening to the Carey Church Podcast. We at Kerry seek to be flourishing communities of hope, transformed by God's love, following Jesus and serving in God's world. To find out more on how to connect with us, go to carey.asn.au. As we continue the series looking at parables, life in the kingdom, we turn this morning to Matthew chapter 21 starting from verse 28. As Jesus continues to to talk to the Pharisees and others listening, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I won't, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him.
1: Where were you last night? About 10 o'clock. Why did you leave your car parked outside that restaurant? Why didn't you drive it home? Why weren't you home at all last night? How well did you know the victim? Good morning. My name's Peter Scott, senior detective, no, not senior detective, senior pastor here at Kerry, trying to set the scene for you of an interrogation, an interrogation. Now, when when we watch TV programs about interrogations, uh, we tried to get the lights on you and sort of behind me and that sense of, you know, you're in a room, you're getting questioned, But, but there's something about interrogations where the questions that get asked aren't really the question that the interrogator wants to ask, are they? What question did I really want to ask you? Did you do it? Exactly but I don't ask you that question. Now, why don't I ask you that question? Thank Kendra, you're doing really well today. Yes, because you're going to, she's, no, I won't go there. Yes, exactly, because you might say no. So the idea is when you're in an interrogation, you ask a bunch of questions sort of around what you really want to know. And I'm trying to trip you up. I'm trying to get information so that I can figure out, ah, gotcha. That's what I really wanted to know the answer to. And that's what's happening with Jesus as we come into this parable that we're focusing on today. So we're in this place where Jesus has arrived in Jerusalem. And this group, a group led by the chief priest and the elders of the people, they're interrogating Jesus. But they're not asking the question they really want to ask. They're asking these questions around the question they really want to ask. And so just before our, our, uh, where we're at today, let's read what they ask him. So I'm in, uh, we're in Matthew chapter 21, in verse 23, this is what they say. The chief priests and elders of the people, they came up to Jesus as he was teaching and said, here's the question, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? Now their real question was, Are you claiming to be the Messiah? And the background to this that we now know is that in a few days time, they would actually get Jesus executed because they thought they knew the answer to that question. So here we are, they're asking this question, the stakes are high, and Jesus Does what Jesus frequently does. And and we we are trying to be followers of Jesus. And I would love to be able to follow Jesus in this. He answers the question with a question. So I've been thinking, where could I use this? And when my kids come to me and say, Dad, um, can I eat this whole box of Nutella, this whole bottle of Nutella right now? How, how, How does this work for you? Let me ask you one question. How many chores do you think it would take to pay for the dentist bills monthly for you to go to, because you've eaten that bucket of teller? No, you didn't like that. Okay, fair enough. I've got a long way to go to be like Jesus. Let's see how Jesus responds to the question with a question. So they have asked this question, by what authority? And he says this, I will also ask you one question. See, I had that bit kind of right. I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. Here comes the question. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? Now, they they discussed it amongst themselves. And they said, hmm, if we say from heaven, he's going to ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we're afraid of the people because they hold John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. And Jesus said, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. It's a beautiful wedge by Jesus. He's got these people who are saying, we are building our whole reputation on the fact that we follow God. But we also find it's really important what the people think. And in our hearts, we're really interested in the power that we've got over the people. Jesus asks this question they just can't answer. But he doesn't stop there. This is when, in the middle of the interrogation, where he sort of got the interrogators back-footed, he goes into this parable. So let's read it again, now that we, we know where we're at. He says to them, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard. I won't, he answered. But later he changed his mind and he went. The father went to the other son, presumably because the first son had said no. So off he goes to the other son and says the same thing. And this son says, I will. But he didn't go. And Jesus asked the question, which of the two did what his father wanted? Or well, the first, they answered. And Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, that tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you didn't repent and believe him. So what's Jesus saying? What's his his point here? It's kind of a blunt message in some ways, isn't it? He was saying to the elders and and the, the people who were grilling him, you've got to obey what God says. But you guys say you're doing that. And yet, even after you've heard these messages from John and me, you're just not. But but there's another group of people who maybe they didn't initially do what God was asking, but they've understood and they've changed. Now, I have to say at this point that as I was preparing for this, it it came to me that this, this is actually really exciting. So Matthew 21, and if you read through to Matthew 23, it's a little bit like Um, The West Wing or Suits. Anybody watched The West Wing and Long Distant Past or Suits? These these are shows on Netflix. Oh, not as many as I was hoping. But they're they're like these exciting shows where they've got this banter going on. And there's this philosophy and this fast-paced conversation and they're talking about big topics and the stakes are enormously high. And I was like, heaven and earth. And I thought, actually, this Matthew 21 through to 23, it's a little bit like that sort of TV show. You've got the two sides. You've got Jesus on the one side, and you've got the chief of the priests and the elders of the people and the Pharisees on this side. And they're talking about these enormous topics. They're talking about tax and authority and life after death and moral principles. And they're calling each other names. You brood of vipers, you whitewashed tombs. And they're plotting murder in front of the live studio audience. And in this case, heaven and earth are actually really in the balance. It's fascinating. So I just want to encourage you, Matthew 21 to 23, go and read it. But today, let's come back from that excitement. Let's come back to a few points we can draw out of this parable. What's the first point that that I want us to focus on today? It's this. Our view of the Father's authority is crucial. Our view of the Father's authority is crucial. Many of you know, we've just been on an amazing holiday Uh, we went for the first time, our family for the first time, to India. And the reason we went there, actually, was to go and see where William Carey had been a missionary. More of that story another time. But while we were in India, we thought, well, there's a place in India that's kind of famous. Why don't we go and see the Taj Mahal? So there we are. We're not looking at it, obviously looking away. But yes, we're at the Taj Mahal. Amazing, absolutely amazing. It is one of the seven modern wonders of the world, and rightly so, just incredible. And while we are there, we had a guide, and the guide took us around and uh, showed us, and, and you actually get to walk in and through. Uh, and he explained all about it in the history. He explained that it was uh, built in the 17th century. It took about 20 years to build. Uh, the equivalent of maybe 2 billion plus dollars of today's money 20,000 artisans doing everything by hand just amazing and the emperor built this incredible building as a tomb for his wife now I'd seen pictures of the Taj Mahal but what I hadn't seen before was what our guide told us was the foundations of the black Taj Mahal now let's We've got another picture. So this is across, this is on the other side, across the back of the river, I think it's the river Yamuna. And you can see in the foreground there some foundations. And our guide said, well, these are the foundations that Emperor uh, Shah Jahan, I think was his name, he was planning to build a second Taj Mahal across the river like a mirror image. But he was getting a bit old, and, and so he said to his son, son, going to leave it to you. Can you go ahead and finish building this next Taj Mahal? But his son instead said, I don't think so, dad. Put his father in prison for the rest of his life. And the prison happened to be in a place where he could see the Taj Mahal he'd built. But the son took the power and authority and said, no, I am not going to do that. Before we judge the son, though, there's another piece of information that I found out about this. You see, the son, he might have said no to his dad, and he wanted the authority, but, but, he believed that the money his father had spent had been completely wasted, and that money was the money for the people. And he said, I'm not going to waste more money on a building. We need to spend this money on the people, that sounds like a good reason, doesn't it? Son, go and work in the vineyard today. Now the question is, what do you think of the Father's authority? Do we believe our Father has authority? Let's come back to Jesus. In the first century when Jesus was talking, in that context, and that culture, everybody would have known, yes, the Father has authority. This is a patriarchal society. We follow what the Father says, absolutely. We live in a culture now where perhaps dissension and rebellion are a little more accepted, maybe even encouraged. And there are positive things about making sure that authority is used well. Don't don't hear me incorrectly here. There are good things about questioning an authority so we can protect vulnerable people. But I think we live in an era where that idea of let's challenge authority is much more prevalent. I I, I was thinking about a lot of protests on TV. I say that and maybe one comes to mind, but there are lots of different protests. And I wonder if you, for some of those protests, you think, go protesters, that's absolutely right, that's terrible. And for others of them, you think, Oh, who do these people think they are? They are questioning authority. That's awful. Just get rid of the protesters. I don't know if you feel like that. But it sort of depends where you side, doesn't it? We're in a culture, I think, where we ask questions much more readily. And when it comes to God, how does that play into the way we think? You know that son, the son of the Emperor Shah Jahan? As I was thinking about him and thinking about me with God, I thought... I do that frequently I question God's authority because I think I've got a better plan I think I know what to do maybe better that's sometimes where my questioning of authority comes from and deep in there somewhere is usually a and there's a bit of self-interest in it so I leave you with this question what is the authority of the father for you? For Jesus, it was very, very clear. In John chapter 6, 38, Jesus says this. This essentially answers the question. He said, I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. So let's go on to question number, or point number two, and I think point number two is this, that we should do what God says. And I was quite tempted early on in my preparation to come on, read this parable and say, here's the message, do what God says and walk off. I thought that would be a really memorable sermon. Memorable because it's short and memorable because you'd all be sitting there going, what just happened? But you'd remember it. I chose not to. If you think that's a good idea, come and let me know because maybe one day I'll do something like that. But we should do what God says. In some ways, it's that simple but it's that hard. It's trust and obey. Trust in God's authority and obey what he commands. Ah, simple. You use the word simple, Peter. Is it really simple? Yeah, sometimes it's not, is it? And that brings me on to point number three. Sometimes it is very clear, but sometimes there's this question for us of what is God saying? What is God saying to me right now? How do you answer that? How do you figure that out? And there's theological books written on this, there's there's lifetimes of study, but I wanted to actually share with you four simple questions that were shared with me by a pastor from Melbourne, a guy called Tim PS. and And he shared these and I thought, that is so helpful. So I want to share these with you for what To see if it's helpful for you as well. This is not comprehensive. It's not a deeply scriptural, theologically, I can give you chapter and verse, but I think these are helpful questions. Let's have a look at them. How do we figure out what God's saying? Well, the first one is this. By asking ourselves, what am I reading or learning about in the Bible? I believe God's given us his word. And his word tells us that he's living and active. And we have a Holy Spirit who talks to us and teaches us through his word. So as we go through life, what we are learning from the scripture, what we are reading in the scripture, God will use that to shape us. So that's the first thing that I'd suggest to you. If you're saying, what is God saying to me right now? Ask yourself the question, what am I reading or learning about in the Bible? Number two, what is getting my attention in life right now? What's getting my attention? Now, this, is, this has as an underlying premise the fact that God is at work in your life now. God is at work in our world. He's at work in Perth, in Harrisdale, in wherever you work and live. God is at work. So what's getting your attention? It's not a surprise for God. He knows. Think about being the chief of priests or the elders or the Pharisees. What do you think was getting their attention? This John the Baptist and Jesus were getting a lot of their attention God was trying to speak. God is at work. So, what is getting your attention in life right now? Number three, this is a really interesting one. What is exciting or scaring me right now? And I believe under this is this idea that God's put passions into us. So, what's exciting us? I went to a meeting with Dave and the board and the Council of Governors yesterday, and I came away excited. I came away excited because of what I heard God is doing, what I see God is doing, and the fact that we have a chance to be part of that. And I think that's because God's put this passion in me to to be part of that, and I love it. That's exciting me. I need to listen to that. Or perhaps there's something scaring you, our fears. And fears are often places where we need to learn to trust more, and God can use those to say that's That's not the right story that's going on. You don't need to be fearful because I'm with you. What's exciting you or scaring you at the moment? Here's the last one. What do I feel I should pray for? Sometimes the Spirit just speaks to us and says, this is on your heart and it's on your heart for a reason because the Spirit is speaking into you saying, there's this person, there's this thing, there's this reason, there's this cause that I want you to be moving on. So I hope they're helpful. Four questions to be asking. How do we figure out what God is saying to us right now? Now, there are two other questions that I want to throw at you, and they're by a guy called Tom Wright. Now, he's a, he's a writer and a theologian, but he, on this passage, you've got some great questions. Here's the first one. Are we allowing Jesus to confront us with where we are being like the second son? So the second son said, yep, yep, but didn't go. And the question is, are we allowing God to confront us where we're doing that? I'm sure the Holy Spirit is doing some work of conviction right now, so I'm going to back off that one. He has in my life. And the second one is this. You know, we say we are following Jesus. We are being and making disciples who love and serve. That's our mission statement, to be and to make disciples who love and serve. Disciples of Jesus, we follow Jesus. And that means when we read stuff like this in the Bible, when we read how Jesus interacts, one of the questions we can ask is, am I behaving in a way that's like Jesus? Am I behaving in a way like Jesus that's making other people around me do what those people did to Jesus? So what we see with Jesus is that he was walking along obeying the father and these people were saying by what authority are you doing that is there an opportunity is there something that i should be doing that you should be doing i'm not suggesting here rebellion and protest but just the question is there a way we can go about life that's following god that would actually make the people around us say by what authority do you do that and we can say well i'm just following what i think god has told me to do Let me come to my last point. Last point, an observation that I have and a chance to use a whiteboard, which I just really enjoy. So thank you, Helen, for uh, bringing out the whiteboard. Now, I've been, over a number of years, I've been to a lot of seminars. And one of the things they use a lot in seminars and thinking are two-by-two matrices. Anyone familiar with the old two-by-two matrix? Most of you should thank you for the honest ones and the ones who could be bothered putting their hands up. Yes, we've all seen two-by-two matrices. Now, I need to position this a little bit for you. No, I'm not going to be, oh, how about this? Two-by-two matrix. And I was looking at this parable like this. So here's our matrix and on one side, we've got what the son said. Yeah, so here we'll have, this is what the son said. Said yes, said no. And on the other axis, we've got what the son did. Nope. Yes. Right, so here's our, here's our axis. So up down here, I think we have the first son. He said no, but he went away and said yes. Is that right? That's, that's our first son. And up here, he says, yes, but then he doesn't go. That's the second son. Well, there's the parable. But, but it made me think, well, hang on. Jesus hasn't filled in the whole matrix. Well, what about the son who said no and did no? Let's call this the really bad son. What about the really bad son? Or, or up here, said yes, did yes, this is the golden child. <laughs> Why do the really bad son and the golden child not appear in this parable? A- and it struck me that this parable shows us inherently in Jesus is hope and grace. Inherently in the way he operates and says and thinks everything he does this hope and grace there was no sense in Jesus and what he was saying to those people that any of them were just basically doomed and I found two pieces of evidence to back this up the first one is that when I reread it carefully he actually says to the the bad guys the elder the, the elders and the chief priests he doesn't say you're never getting into the kingdom of heaven What does he say he says that the tax collectors and prostitutes are getting there first in other words there's still hope there's still hope that actually you can turn around and ultimately you can say yes you can sorry not say you can do yes and there's another piece of proof in that it's fascinating to read Acts chapter 15 verse 5 so Jesus has been killed The early church has started. And in Acts 15, 5, we read this phrase that there are believers from the party of the Pharisees. Isn't that incredible? This group that as we're talking in this paragraph, Jesus is saying, you brood of vipers, you whitewashed tomb, you've got it wrong. After he died, they said, you know what? We did get it wrong. Jesus is offering hope. His parable inherently contains hope. But there's something else there's something else when I thought about this bit and that's the grace thing. Jesus' parable doesn't present us with the, you know what, you really need to be perfect. It doesn't present us with the people who said yes and did yes. Jesus said, there are two sons. And my sense out of this parable is that all of us fit in here in different times, in different ways. We've all fallen short, but Jesus says, but there's hope. Just turn around. Listen to what I'm saying. There is grace for you. I find that immensely encouraging, and I hope you do too. Why don't we pray together as we close? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this paragraph, parable. Thank you for what it says to us and what we can learn from it. Father, we thank you for the hope and grace that you offer us. The way you present things is just full of hope and grace for us. Father, today perhaps you've confronted us. And I pray that as we get confronted by you, that we would turn and repent. That we would simply turn to you and say, not say, but do what you've asked us to do that would be diligent we would be diligent in seeking and discerning what you're saying help us to figure that out thank you for the privilege of your word as we read it let us be ready for you to speak to us so in view of that grace and hope father help us to live in a way which causes others to ask by what authority do you do that that we might influence our friends our neighbors our colleagues and our families that ultimately they would see your grace and hope too And Lord, thank you that all of this is just in the knowledge that Jesus, you are alive, that Holy Spirit, you're at work. And God, that you know us and love us as your sons and daughters. Amen.